Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <laughs> we are coming to you live. From the Quicken Loan Studios, National Mortgage Lender, Quicken Loans, apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. They got the Rocket Mortgage. It's with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. I want to talk about the Rams in a moment. Can I just say something about Tony Romo right now? Is he not just the king of the world in sports at this moment? Pebble Beach Pro-Am getting ready to tee off again at 1 a.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm looking at Sir Nick Fado in maybe the most comfortable suit jacket I've ever seen in my entire life. But here was Tony Romo yesterday. Hit it. Zip it in the hole. Oh, yeah. Nice shot. I like it. Yeah, what a oh, shot. Yeah, there it is. There Come it is. on. We could go clap. What a year this man's had. <laughs> Touchdown. I don't think anything will top that today. What's that, Golf Network, Tom? CBS? I'll give it to CBS. What the hell? Tom, was it you and I who had that conversation about him yesterday? Who was it? It was. It was you and I. I mean, it, on the Twitter. T- Tony Romo, this last year has just been not January to January, fall to fall to the whole thing. I mean, just the cat's ass in every way possible. And you brought up the level of stardom. Go ahead and give this point, Tom, please. Yeah, I can't. I think he is one of the biggest stars in sports right now, period. And I think he's attained a level of stardom that he never got to as the quarterback of the Cowboys, which is kind of wild to think about. I don't think I disagree. But can I just put a twist on it, if I may? Please. I think he was a bigger star as a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I think he's attained a level of respect that he never had with the Dallas Cowboys. There was a level of certain, because remember, you're the quarterback of the Cowboys, there's resentment. I think he's a more talented quarterback than Dak Prescott, and people get so mad at me, double Cowboys fans, because I'm not a big Dak Prescott guy. I think that he's been figured out. I don't think I think that at times he's cost them games, cost them in big moments, and I think I wonder if he's going to continue to do that. I don't know if Tony Romo would do the same. Now, there have been times, obviously, that's been what he's been pretty well known for when he was a quarterback of the Cowboys. But there was just this feeling that because he was the quarterback of the Cowboys, that people were so defensive of him as Cowboys fans, and usually people don't get along with Cowboys fans, that there was this distaste for Tony Romo where you look at the numbers, you look at what he did for the Cowboys during some times where they did not have a lot of talent around him where, yeah, he was a pretty good quarterback in this league. But remember... There was the Carrie Underwood, Jessica Simpson thing. People don't really like that. Regular guys don't like that. He was a heel, man, to people who weren't Cowboys fans. I had a guy who threatened us on a ship one time on a cruise. He'd fight us all, I swear to God, in a gaggle. Tony Romo is his quarterback, and he will fight you if you say something different. And he meant that word, I swear to God. But now, since he's retired... He's fun. You get to see his personality. He gets to predict those plays before they actually run the plays, even though I think it drives the people at CBS up the wall. 
And then you see how good of a golfer he is. I'm telling you, I think it's more, do you disagree or agree with me, Tom? And I, I think it's just a twist. I think it's more a level of respect than he's ever had before. I think when you're a quarterback of the Cowboys, you're a major star. And he's a star now, but I think we actually respect and revere a little bit of what Tony Romo can do. I think that's fair. That might be it. I'm not sure that more human beings know his name now than did before, which I guess is more of what you're saying if you're saying he's a bigger star. So I'm not sure that that's true. But you I, call a Super Bowl, you call a Super Bowl. That's right. There are plenty of and people who know that now. he was part of the television draw of this Super Bowl, True, which is mind-blowing. I again, mean, that's he, huge. Plenty of people. Plenty of people know pop singers. Plenty of people know them. Right, and it, it, he he dated K- Carrie Underwood, and he broke it off with Carrie Underwood to date Jessica Simpson. It was a big deal back then. It's true, real big deal. I don't Remember, know why he, that... he left a note on the gate to his house that he's not answering, not answering questions about that with the paparazzi that were outside of his house at one point. Yeah, that's fair. That's a pretty big star. But boy, he's killing it because there were people who hated him for that back then. Everybody loves Tony Romo now. I love Tony Romo. Do you love Tony Romo, Tom? I always have. I always thought he was. A, I oh. mean, him comparing him to Dak to me is silly. He's a, a clearly oh, no a comparison. much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Billy Jack, you like Tony Romo now? Absolutely, love Tony Romo. Just, he's just so much fun. He makes the broadcast fun. Like there's some people they don't like it when he goes, "Oh, Jim, it's third down now." He's having a blast out there. If you were ESPN, and CBS did this rightfully so, they gave him a huge raise after this season. If you were ESPN, I'd have been licking my Disney, licking my chops trying to go after him. He's the Monday Night Football answer. He, he would be he would be Don Meredith reincarnated. And I mean, obviously there's a Dallas Cowboys connection there, but I'm talking fun in the booth, making it interesting. And it's not just about him. He He makes it a part of it, but... I got to tell you, I and I've always adored Jim Nance. I mean, he's an incredible broadcaster, lets the thing breathe. He can pick up golf from the moment he leaves college basketball. One of the great things about him, Ian Eagle told us this in a, in a interview once, that what makes him pretty exceptional is that he can go straight to college basketball, know college basketball, know the players, know the coaches, even though he doesn't really call college basketball games at all until the, until the tournament starts. Like, he's that good. But I will say, and I'm, I'm not meaning any, I'm not taking any shots towards Phil Sims, whatever. Has he not upped the energy of that booth since he's got there last year? Guys, is that not true? I mean, it's absolutely true. Nance will even admit it. Hey, Jim seems to be, Jim Nance seems to be having a freaking blast Dude, with the, him doing those games. The Washington Post did a really good profile of the two of them on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, yeah. If you want to go find it, it's really interesting. And it talks about how Nance was already friends with Romo. Through, Nance just had like a liking for mm-hmm. Romo through the years mm-hmm. already. They were golf uh, partners. Their kids had hung out a little bit. Um, so there was like this chemistry there already. So there's no doubt Nance even admits in this interview, like I am a happier, different person working with this guy. It's nothing against Phil. It's just, I love this man. He brings a different level of energy. He makes it a lot more fun. He, He reminds me of the way things were the old Monday night football booths. He just makes it a much more interesting broadcast. And I absolutely adore Tony Romo for that. 855 2124 cbs Eight five five two one two four two two seven. I just got done defending Sean McVay. If if I'm looking for blame of the of Super Bowl fifty three, we just had Vinny Bonsignor on from the Athletic in L A. I would agree with him about the offensive line play. The offensive line play was poor. Brian Flores and Bill Belichick had a great game plan, under unbelievable game plan, and it's what makes Dolphins fans feel better about Brian Flores coming to town. But if I'm going to put some more blame on this. 
Jared Goff's a pretty accurate quarterback. There's something that bothers me that he's in year three and Sean McVay needs to be that deliberate in calling plays with him. Tom, I'll let you speak your piece coming up here in a bit. I know you've been championing the bit one to get into this. But when you have a guy like Jared Goff, Jared Goff is a very good, very talented quarterback. I'm not taking anything away from him. But when it comes to the thinking part of the game and being able to recognize pre-snap, there is something that bothers me about this. And I'm wondering, you know, if you have the same defensive setup with some other quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the league, it makes me wonder if Sean McVay is with those quarterbacks, if they can dictate and figure out and then diagnose what happens pre-snap. Could Carson Wentz have won that game with the Rams last week? Could Patrick Mahomes have won that game with the Rams last week? Could Sam Darnold have won that game with the Rams last week? Could Baker Mayfield have won that game with the Rams last week? And I think it begs that question. Because year three in, it does raise a red flag to me, and it's going to be brought up again next year because it's a monkey-see-monkey-do league, and people are going to want to definitely want to go off of what the New England Patriots did and see if they can get after the Rams in that certain way where you throw a different look in at times. You throw something that is different from what he's seen and different from what you've planned for. Because, again, Sean McVay, it's the same thing with Bill Belichick. You can only do so much from the sidelines. Sean McVay can't throw the ball. Sean McVay can't make sure that Jared Goff doesn't double clutch with a wide-open Brandon Cooks out in the end zone. He does. He can't do that. That's on Jared Goff. And it wasn't where Jared Goff all of a sudden double clutched. It's what the Patriots were doing before that. I'll give credit where it's due. The Patriots played a good game defensively, and Wade Phillips and his defense was magnificent in that football game. But if I'm looking back on this, Sean McVay put the onus on himself and he shielded his quarterback, he shielded his running back, he shielded his football team, and it was the right move and he should be commended for it because as a leader of a football team, you're the one who's gotten all the credit this year, you're the one who's gotten all the credit the last two years. You should shoulder the blame. And Sean McVay did that. But if I look over the course of that game, I can't help but wonder if a guy who was better at seeing what was going on and seeing what was changed at the line of scrimmage was playing quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. Even a guy who might not have as much natural talent as Jared Goff, would they win that game? 855-2124-CBS. One thing that the Rams must do, Jared Goff isn't on that mega contract yet. The Rams, if you're one of these football teams that maybe are struggling, or if you're one of these football teams that maybe aren't struggling, but you have a young quarterback, Arizona, New York, Cleveland, Kansas City's already up to the hilt when it comes to some of the cap space there. I look at L.A. and I think, why not? Why not? You spent that money on Marcus Peters, and one of the biggest narratives that were playing into my head, and the same thing can be said for Ndamukongsu, the same thing can be said for a host of other players, where you spent money to bring in stars to play for the Rams. And one of the biggest narratives that I hated is when they incurred that loss on December 9th. Now all of a sudden, well, they have no depth in L.A. They have all these stars. They don't have guys they can count on. You have you have the names that people know, like Aqib Tlaib. You have the names that people know, like Marcus Peters, but you don't have enough of the other guys. You don't have enough of the other guys, like Nikel Roby Coleman. You don't have enough of those other guys. And I thought, man, you're really going to blame the lack of depth? If you got too many guys who are hurt and the other guys can't play, that's one thing. 
But if you're going to say that you're just not deep enough, even though you have these stars, I think that's a major cop-out. And I'm glad that they reached the Super Bowl. Because if you look over the history of what's happened over the last few years, look at the Super Bowl champions, look at the teams that have played in the Super Bowl and played for a Super Bowl. you got some young quarterbacks in there now. And it's not just based on talent. It's also based on the cap space that you save with the rookie contracts. Over the quarterback contracts over last year, real quick, Matt Ryan makes the most of a contract worth $150 million. Garoppolo, Stafford, Rodgers, Carr, Luck. Newton at $104 million in, in Charlotte. Andy Dalton, Alex Smith, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger at $87 million. Eli Manning, Kirk Cousins, Phillip Rivers, Ryan Tannehill. Out of the top 15 guys, three made the postseason last year, this past season. That could be a bit of an anomaly. Or that could be something that it says, one, some of these guys might be overpaid and they're able to get their team over the hump. Part of that is that some of these guys missed the playoffs due to some happenstances over there. That's absolutely true in a lot of ways. The other part is you could spend more money on it with a younger quarterback. You could spend more money on other pieces. And so all these teams that come up and they tell you, which is loads of garbage, you don't have that much time. And a general manager will never give a coach that much time. And an owner will never get a GM that much time. I have a four-year plan. I have a five-year plan. You do not get that much time in the NFL. But they load you with BS. I have a four-year and a five-year plan. What is that? Some of your roster changes over in four years and five years. A lot of your roster does. Some of these guys don't have contracts that long or careers that long. But if I have quarterbacks that are saving me money, like Wentz and, and Nick Foles technically did with the Eagles last year, I could spend more money on the other guys. The Rams make me forced to ask you a question that you should be forcing a question upon your own team. If you have a young quarterback that you think has some talent, eventually you're going to have to pay him. And for at least a week or a day, he'll probably be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. If he's that guy, why not now? Why not next year for the Eagles again? Why not next year for the Browns? Why not next year? Kansas City already has that, but they've already spent up to that money, and they still have a young contract on Mahomes. Why not be able to flip it around? Hell, Andrew Luck already makes a bunch of money, but the rest of the team around him for the last couple of years sucked up until this last year. Now spend more money on some of those other guys. Why not Indianapolis, who already made the playoffs this year? If you're able to take advantage of the rookie wage, take advantage of it. Because it's only going to get tougher. Go ask a Seahawks fan. 855-2124-CBS. We'll get to your calls when we come back also. Enough of the fake sympathy in the NBA. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. We actually have calls on Tony Romo. I'm going to get to him. What the hell? 855-2124-CBS. I'll get back to the NBA. Kevin Durant whining. Get to Tom in Tennessee. Tom, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead. Hey man, I'm just, I'm going to ask this uh, question out of sheer ignorance. So I'm I'm actually looking uh, for some, uh, I guess, a clear thought on the national. I don't I don't tweet, chat. I don't have Facebook account or anything else. That's fine, brother. That's fine. But apparently, along on our local uh, sports radio, uh, Tony Romo is getting uh, a lot of heat for actually predicting what other teams were going to do during NFL games, and you know he kind of I guess quote-unquote, calm that down this year and wasn't yes. uh, predicting and was doing more of analyzing what they did do. Mm-hmm. Is that true? And if so, what's the yeah. big deal? I mean, if the guy understands the game and he's helping the fans at home understand what's getting ready to happen, I don't understand the big deal about that. But anyway, if you could maybe just you know touch on that, you know, just to clear it up for somebody who has no clue about what's Such going a great on on social media. 
thank you. Thank you, Tom. It's such a great question. I'd be more than happy to answer it. I tell you right now, there are some fans out there who don't like it. They say it takes away their enjoyment. I kind of find it to be fun uh, because it tests his wits on how that is. Also, there's some people who think it's a little bit hypocritical because Tony Romo's never been to a Super Bowl. And there's always the thought of, well, if you knew that well, wouldn't you have been to the Super Bowl? Which I guess in terms of that is a valid point. Uh, I know that there were so many people who were upset with it last year. CBS kind of told them to tune it, turn it down a little bit, tone it down a little bit. If you can, just not so much. Even though where was it? The AFC Championship game, that fourth quarter, he was all over it. All over it. So I, I think he gets a little bit worked up. I think that he gets a little bit excited in that case, and he wants to do it. Uh, and I can tell there's a couple of times this year where he almost does it. If you watch the old NFL today, you re- if you remember Jimmy the Greek, Jimmy the Greek used to speak about the point spread, but he would always kind of leave it as a clue. He would never come right out and say, hey, they're going to cover the spread. This is the way it's going to work because it was frowned upon. They were a major partner in the NFL. They You didn't do that then. Now you probably get away with it. But then you couldn't do that. So we would always kind of give it a clue. Tony Romo, you notice in the regular season broadcast, if you're watching some of the, most of the regular season broadcasts, I think he was trying to give more of a clue, which I thought made it more fun. Again, I think he's energetic. I think he makes t- Jim Nance more energetic. I think it's the best booth in football right now. I think it's one of the best. They are probably the best combo in sports. It makes you look forward to that game before. And I, it's nothing against Joe Buck and Tom Troy Aikman. Everybody, some, there's people who have a problem with Joe Buck, whatever. I just look at what CBS has going for him between Jim Nance and what Jim Nance is, his energy level now with Tony Romo. Tony Romo brings some fun to it. They go down to the sideline. It's Tracy Wolfson. This is as close to old Monday night football as you're ever going to get. Like old, old Dandy Don Meredith having a few while you're doing the game. That type of fun that you would have. Like, that's as good as it gets. But, yeah, there's some people who have been a little bit upset because of the predictor. I think it's a bit more fun. My co-host during the mornings, he couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand it. And I just didn't know why. Do you want your own guessing game? Here's a guy who's played the game, played it at a high level, played it at a high level for a few years. Maybe over a while, maybe I'd get... Maybe I'd get a little bit tired of it if he's able to predict it so well over over a course of time. But right now, I've had no problem with it. Tom, you were mad at me for what I said about Jared Goff earlier. Fine, go ahead. I wasn't mad. Yours. I think ahead. you're exactly right. If there was a more experienced quarterback there uh-huh. that could read read defenses, they probably would have won the game, even if that quarterback was a lot less talented than Jared Goff. I don't think that's wrong. I just this is a longer story. This is about McVay saving Goff by giving him less to think about, that working, and them riding with that rhythm instead of McVay realizing, hey, I really need to teach this guy to do this in case we come to the game where I can't be in his ear and give him the answers. And I think hopefully this game was the wake-up call and the realization he's got well, to then, teach this guy to do it. Do I think Goff is capable of learning? How could that game yeah. be the wake-up call for crying out loud, though, Tom? That's the problem. They haven't been you forced to do it You use the regular season as – that doesn't matter. You know you're going to be forced to do things in the postseason that you're not able to do. You're going up against freaking Bill Belichick. Dude, I I'm disappointed in Sean McVay, too. I think he messed up. How do you not know? But he didn't, man. He I, didn't. I will, he, he, one of two things, all right? One of two things. One – Either Vinny Bond Sr. was wrong, and he's not going to be one of the greatest ever talking about Sean McVay. Because that, to me, is egregious. To have a guy for two seasons and to not be able to get him to diagnose plays, a, a first overall pick, to not be able to get him to diagnose at the line would be an egregious error. Or two, you are such a 
a control freak that you're not going to allow something like that to happen, you then have certainly cost your team a Super Bowl or cost your team a shot. And we're going to find out in 2019 a little bit because I think they'll still be a talented football team, but don't think for a second teams aren't going to see that and go, wow, we can come out and cover four, we can blitz everybody, and he's not going to be able to take care of that because he can't recognize what's happening before the snap. Oh, please. It's, the chickens may very well be coming home to roost then, brother. It's I agree. And it seems like common sense, but it has been their process and it's been working, and that's what he's all about, you know? So I, I think if you go if you go along, you know, you had you had Tom Landry who had the process, but even he would mix something in with the flex defense. You had other guys who had their process, but I'm telling you, in this NFL, if you have a guy and this is Jared Goff right now, who cannot identify at a line of scrimmage most of the time. Everybody gets it wrong sometimes. And diagnose what's going to happen. Be able to read what he thinks is going to happen. You're going to be in major trouble. And for other teams to not be able to do that, okay, that's a feather in the cap to Sean McVay. But we'll be finding out here very quickly because I don't think I, – I would hold Sean McVay to a higher standard to believe that for two years – you would try to get him to be able to read that coverage and to read what's coming up prior to the snap to help out your situation. It's just easier. You can't throw the football for him. Tom, you can't do that. So it's just easier for him to be able to do that. That's why the greatest quarterbacks in the world are able to do that. It's common it's it's common sense what you're saying, but the reality of how it played out is last year when he came and quote unquote saved Goff, he made his life easier by making the checks himself. And like I said, it just worked. It worked really well. And a thing that another thing I don't understand why McVay didn't anticipate is Belichick, everybody always says Belichick takes away your strongest thing, your 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 best player, your best weapon. McVay's best offensive weapon as a play caller is that 15-second line and being in Goff's helmet, and he should have known that Belichick was going to try to attack that, but he was shell-shocked when Belichick took it away from him by continually nailing the defensive calls every time they lined up early. So he got scared, and he stopped breaking the huddle before 15 seconds, so he couldn't make Mm. the reads. He put Mm. a quarterback who has never had to read defenses in a situation in the biggest game of his life where now suddenly the team depended on that. And it's I, a that's a coaching mistake. Well, I'm not saying it's not a coaching mistake there, but I think that it's not just a coaching mistake. I think you're playing with not a full deck, and it's at the most important position then, because I think a guy who's already proven that can that can change at the line of scrimmage, can diagnose problems at the line of scrimmage, like Mahomes, like even Sam Darnold or Baker freaking Mayfield. I think any one of those guys, if they had the same game plan going against them, I mean this sincerely, if they had the same game plan going against them, same things they were just playing in Rams helmets. They'd have won that game on Sunday. You may be right. Those three quarterbacks, and I mean Sam Darnold, those three quarterbacks would have won that. Sam Darnold might have turned the ball over a he couple times, looked, so maybe Sam's out of there. He would have maybe I'm talking out my ass off. a little bit. Fine, but I think Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes could have won that game on Sunday. I think we Baker would have looked a lot prettier doing it, but he would have thrown three picks. But he would have looked a lot more confident and decisive doing would it. Would he no have won? Doubt. I think he would have won. Mm, I don't know about that. Two one eight five five two one two four CBS. I did it at the same time last year, last week. When I got so worked up. Three big things coming up next. One on Tom Brady. One on Kevin Durant, LeBron James in the NBA. Kevin Durant, LeBron James in the NBA. And the other, baseball sending the wrong message to try to get you into the ballpark again. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Final segment of the day, final segment of the week. Speak now, forever hold your peace. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Send the tweets, send them hot at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N. I got 
Three big things to end the show. One, I just went over those numbers of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL and where I'm thinking, hey, if you got a young quarterback, I know everybody's telling you three and four year plan. Why don't you just try to strike now with the iron's hot when you got money to spend on other guys? Because you'll eventually have to peel them off and pay your quarterback, and then you're going to have to do it the traditional way. Tom Brady is ranked 17th right here on this list of highest paid quarterbacks. His wife, Giselle, makes more. I'm going to throw this out there as a predictor. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a QB. He's a legend. He's a model. He's a pitch man. He's a father. He's a husband. You know that he and Bob Kraft have a very close relationship. Bob Kraft treats him like he's one of his own children, and that's documented. You think it all, and I don't know if this is if there's any sort of language like this in the CBA. Any sort of language like this at all, because you can't be over the cap for one hour in the NFL. You have a quarterback who could basically name his price over the last decade, and they could have had to do it the traditional way. He is not that well paid, and we always say, well, you know, Giselle makes more than he does. It's amazing, but she does, and he still he has all these other endorsements that come in. Still, when you make good money, you still always want to make more of it. You think there's any possibility that when it's all said and done, and I'd have to look into the CBA, that he gets a piece of the Patriots? You think about this. Bob Kraft stood through, stood with him the whole time. Took his side on Deflategate. He's his boy. Took his side when it came to Jimmy Garoppolo and Bill Belichick, and that nearly got ugly. It was his boy. He's the 17th highest paid quarterback. He's certainly not starving, but good God, Matthew Stafford makes way more than he does. I just got to throw it out. It seems to be an anomaly, and it seems to be where we'll never see anything like this because most aren't like this. Most relationships between an owner and a quarterback aren't like this, and and obviously a quarterback taking that big of a pay cut, you go, wow, you're really going to do something like that? It just makes me start to wonder if Tom Brady's three years away from retirement or seven years away from retirement or whatever it might be, you think when he's all said and done, maybe he gets a piece of the pie? Is there some sort of a handshake agreement? Just something to think about. 855-2124-CBS. Yesterday or two days ago, we spoke a little bit more about Kevin Durant. I am sick and tired of the fake sympathy for NBA players, and I started the show with this. Tom, go ahead and hit it. I have nothing to do with the Knicks. I don't know who traded Porzingis. They got nothing to do with me. I'm trying to play basketball. Y'all come here every day. Ask me about free agency, ask my teammates, my coaches. You rile up the fans about it. Uh, let us play basketball. That's all I'm saying. And now when I don't want to talk to y'all, it's a problem with me. Come on, man. Grow up. Grow up. Yeah, you. Grow up. Come on, bro. I come in and go to work every day. I don't cause no problems. I play the right way. Well, I try to play the right way. I try to be the best player I can be every possession. What's the problem? What am I doing to y'all? You are talking. You are talking. So? Who are you? Why do I got to talk to you? Tell me. Does that is that going to help me do my job better? Nah, bro. I didn't feel like talking. I mean, technically, technically you do. It is part of your job. You're not just a basketball player. You're a professional basketball player. But that's not the problem I have. The problem I have, it's not just based on Kevin Durant. What Kevin Durant did, and I mean this sincerely, I'm not trying to be a smartass. I thank Kevin Durant for doing that. It makes this time of year that much more interesting. And so I can ask you if you have a problem with Kevin Durant, which most people probably would, or who knows, maybe they want to defend him, and we can have a nice back and forth and we can fill the time and have some fun. 
Gresh is coming up next, right? Gresh is coming up next, so maybe Gresh will do it. It's fun. It really is. It's much. It's way more fun than, hey, the Cavaliers took on the Wizards last night, and the Cavaliers weren't able to break the zone because they suck. That's why. And nobody cares about the Wizards and Cavs. I do care about Kevin Durant, so I thank Kevin Durant for doing that. My problem is, is when I hear that from Kevin Durant, and then I go right to LeBron James's Instagram, where he posts the video of Harrison Barnes where Harrison Barnes is sitting on the bench in Dallas, and it looks as if Harrison Barnes can hear the announcers talking about this, where he was, during the game, reportedly being traded to Sacramento for Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. LeBron James on his own Instagram, let me quote this, quote, so let me guess, this is cool because they had to do what's best for the franchise, right? Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Traded this man while he was literally playing in the game. He had zero, all caps, idea. I'm not knocking who traded him because it's a business, and you have to do what you feel is best, but I just want this narrative to start to get real slash change and not when a player wants to be traded or leaves a franchise that he's selfish or ungrateful as a player, but when they trade you, release, wave, cut, etc., etc., it's best for them. I'm okay with both, honestly. Truly am. Just call a spade a spade, end quote. I don't know where his opinion is out of all that. I think he's trying to play both sides a little bit because I think while he was typing it up, he probably knew, hey, I'm trying to get three guys out of here because I want Anthony Davis, so this probably isn't going to look good for me. But we've all of a sudden had this thought where, you know what, there's football players where I think I can understand. They don't make that much. They still make more than you and me, but they still don't make it that much in those terms. Baseball, you just don't have this problem. Or we just don't think about it in that case. But in the NBA, they have taken, and I give these players a little bit of credit while I'm knocking them for this. LeBron, Kevin Durant, all these guys, you've made it where people take sympathy for you some way, somehow, for being asked questions by the media because it, like, it isn't part of your job. People do want to hear from you. The regular season's boring. Yes, I would rather hear from Kevin Durant about his future or lack thereof, and he could have just said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to talk about another team and moved on. I'd rather hear about Kevin Durant than talk about regular season basketball games that are basically meaningless. You give three teams basically the chance to win a a NBA championship this year, and when it really comes down to it, you probably only give one. And that's the team he plays for. So now that they've created this, the only thing I have left to do to still be interested in your entity is to ask you, because you're a pending free agent, about your future. And if you're going to play for the New York Knicks, who are in this, the biggest market in the world, and technically the biggest market in the NBA, even though nobody seems to care and everybody hates the owner, got to be careful what I say, don't want to get sued by him, but if people seem to really dislike the owner, from what I can pick up, that you're going to play for that team and bring that team back to some sort of prominence. It's the only thing we have left to talk about. And I can't, I love the irony because it's laid on thick by LeBron. I love the hypocrisy of it all because it is true. You are a vessel for our enjoyment as fans. We don't get what you do in life. We don't understand what you're putting up with because none of us make $35 million a year in base salary and have people who live and die based on our decisions like you. We're the consumers of it. So, no, we have no idea. So, yes, there is some hypocrisy that when a player is done with his career and we're done with him, we treat him as if he's the family dog. We remember those great moments, and we're really sad when he retires or when we have to, and this is great in the NFL because they do this better than anybody, we got to cut him and send him somewhere else, and we are really thankful to Steve Smith. He's given us his all in Carolina, but it's time to move on. We're so sad. 
But just like when you just go out and get another dog, you go out and you get yourself another draft pick and you move on. But when our spouse leaves us and goes out with somebody else, yeah, we're very upset. Beyond upset. Had a caller come out and say that earlier in the show, and it's absolutely true. Hypocritical? Yes, true, absolutely. Because sports, and to a degree politics, but I don't want to go down this line just that much. It's basically the only thing where we take billionaire sides over millionaires. There was a time where these guys lived like us. They struggled like us. They've been through things like we were. The problem is, is that we were born in it, we live in it now, and we'll probably die in it. That's the way our lives are, most of us. They got out. So irony is one thing. Hypocrisy is another. And I, I will notice both of those. But the fake sympathy, please, I don't care. I don't care that Harrison Barnes makes $24 million a year. Unless there are some extenuating circumstances that I can care about, something going on in his family life, frankly, I don't give a damn. That's why you're paid $24 million, because you can take on that expense or the team will more than likely pay for that expense and you can afford to uproot everybody. And while it is inconvenient, it's not the inconvenience of, say, a guy in Lordstown, Ohio, who has to move across the country to either stick with GM or find another job because they're closing his plant down. He might he might have made good money. He ain't making $24 million a year, and he's not paid to be able to deal with that inconvenience. That's what part of the money that goes to Harrison Barnes or any one of these other players, that's what that's for. Because they're traded based on our entertainment. 855-2124-CBS. The Washington Post put it out. This is the third big thing today. And Tom and I got in a big argument about the adoption of the designated hitter in the National League making a DH universal with both leagues. The Washington Post was the first one to this, or the first one I cite. Rob Manfred said earlier today, it's not going to happen in 2019. We'll consider it for 2020 in the future. I'm okay with that. I absolutely love it. I, I don't need Bartolo. Bartolo Colon's the one exception. Other than that, I don't need Chris Sale in National League Parks trying to hit. I don't need just a guaranteed out and a momentum killer that's going to hurt my enjoyment of the game. But there's also a couple of other rules that get brought in here. A rule requiring pitchers to face a minimum of three batters, except in the case of injury or when finishing an inning. That one, yeah, we can argue about that. A 20-second pitch clock, time-saving device. Manfred has a spouse for more than a year now. Expansion of rosters, reduction of the mounds, the single trade deadline. Some of these are actually pretty good. But every time we get to talking about baseball and its future, we focus on the wrong thing. If you look at baseball right now, and I had somebody who is a buddy of mine, he's a golf pro here in Northeast Ohio named Jimmy Hamlin. He sends me a picture of his son. It's his son and Mike Trout at a golf outing. A couple of years ago, his son was the only person at that golf outing who knew who Mike Trout was. If that's Tom Brady, if that's any one of those other football players outside of the area that I'm in, they're mobbed. If that is certainly LeBron James, certainly Kevin Durant, certainly I would say Kyrie Irving, certainly Steph Curry, any major star in professional basketball, they are mobbed at that golf outing. And you know what? If you go back to 1996, if if that's Kevin Durant or McGuire or Bonds or any one of those guys, Kevin Durant, I mean Ken Griffey Jr., if it's Kevin Ken Griffey Jr. or any one of those guys in the mid-90s, they are mobbed. Just like Jordan would have been mobbed. Just like Marino or Kelly would have been mobbed back then. There's a difference here. Those two sports have kept it up. You're not marketing your you're not marketing your superstars. 
Mike Trout, and I know some of that's on Mike Trout where he's a quiet guy. He doesn't want to be seen that way. I know that he just wants to play the game and move on, and they allow him to do that. But you have to find a way to market your very best. We shouldn't be spending time finding out ways how to shut Bryce Harper up. We should be finding ways to get Bryce Harper on daytime television and make him a major star the best way we can. I love that David Ross has been on national television, even though he was a backup catcher for a long time. Not that overwhelmingly great as a player, and he'll be the first one to tell you, because at least it was a star that they could market. That's your problem. It's not the time of the game. If you have stars... People will come. There's other things that have to be fixed. But if your major marketing plan for baseball to get people to come in your building and and to sit down and enjoy your game and enjoy the product that you have is that they're not going to be there for as long as they used to be, that is not the answer. That is not the tactic to take. You know who does that? The BMV. Hospitals do that. There's billboards out there that give you the real-time waiting time there in their waiting rooms for their emergency room and for the regular doctors. They advertise that because it's places you don't want to be. Professional sports should not be marketing that. And I don't think there's anybody, and I, I mean this sincerely, and I've talked about it every way I could. Are you really going to a baseball game in the middle of whatever time because they saved you 17 minutes off the top? Hey, I don't know who any of these guys are. I'm not that big of a fan, but I heard this baseball game that they got going on. They're going to save me 17 minutes. Nobody's going to a baseball game because it saves them time. Nowhere in the history of professional athletics or in terms of just promotion, whether it be the circus or the carnival or professional sports, nobody has ever said, hey, you know, they get us out in a tight 90 here, so you know what, I'm going to go. Put together somebody that's marketable. Put together stars. Put them out there on billboards. It's the same thing they said in Slapshot. It should be true for Major League Baseball. Big thanks to Demon. Big thanks to Zimmerman, Billy Jack, Peter Schwartz, Chris Lepresti. Gresh is coming up next. I'm Ken Carmen. Have a wonderful week, my friends. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.